This is LCM. Pronounced local. Oh, living a creative life. I'm Rawat Majdi. And I'm Muhammad Sirul. We're creatives talking to creatives about what it means to be a creative. So get ready for some delicious conversations and awesome takeaways so that you can maximize your own creative life. Today we have Zahran Mahdi. She's an artist, writer, and filmmaker. Her degree is in English Literature and Cultural Studies. And the type of work she does is drawing on photographs, animation on live action, graphic novels or shorts, and an abundance of other silly things. Welcome, Zahra, to LCL. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. For those that can't see what's happening, obviously, I'm uh, seated on an armchair. It's a very comfortable armchair. <laughs> and uh, uh, you two are sitting in front of me, and I feel like I'm being either debriefed or part of an intervention. You know what's <laughs> funny? No, you know what's funny? We In the past, for a couple of er- earlier, like our first few uh, interviews, we actually had the lights off and then the... the the spotlight. The, the spotlight kind of put on there. Yeah. How else <laughs> are you going to make them feel so guilty? <laughs> people, were like, people were like, this is so weird and we don't like this. Please turn yeah. on the lights. And we were like, but, you know, this is like the no. Uh, no. So, it's so weird. It gets them to say things that they weren't planning on saying. <laughs> <laughs> that of. might actually be a trick you want to stick to. <laughs> or not want to say things at all, actually. <laughs> um, welcome. We're really excited to have you, honestly. Thank you. I'm excited um, as well. I'd love to hear more about what you do. Um, the bio itself that I just said does state a few different things, but I feel like based on what we've talked about, in, you know, earlier is that you do so much. Tell me more about that. Oh, well, a lot of people ask me about that. I identify myself as a tinker. So I'm basically an idea person and I learn how to work certain things with my hand or I get certain um, skill sets in order to apply my ideas or figure things out. So that translates a lot into visual artists or someone that makes things to be seen or that kind of media. But first and foremost, the tinker. Josie, you're most well known with the drawing on photographs or collage. Um, can you please talk to us about more? Okay, so that's a bit of a funny story because um, everyone started Instagram accounts at around like 2011, 2012. And I started it way back when there weren't a lot of Kuwaitis in it. It was just a lot of people from Asia and uh-huh. uh, people who are cool, basically. So <laughs> uh, so um, I used to post my paintings because I used to be an oil painter. I used to post things that I made, uh, sometimes poetry, things like that. And then um, I saw a building that had a, like a little water tank on it and the water tank looked like a golf ball. Mm-hmm. So I drew a giant retrieving his golf ball just like as a way to say hey this looks like a golf ball it's it's less boring than just pointing at it and saying that and i got a lot of responses so i kept doing it whenever i see something that looks like something else i'd make a drawing to illustrate that and then i became known for it even though that's not the thing that i spend the most time on it's not the thing that i work the hardest on and it's just basically me saying hey did you notice (laughs) this looks like this yeah yeah. honestly i love those and and i got to know who you were based on that like i got to know okay this is zoos and zoos actually draws over photographs or draws over things that i've actually thought about that before yeah like the one that i remember the most is and i think about that sometimes is the avenues one the one the uh, fly yeah the fly looking one the bug i was like i was like yes i've thought that before (laughs) because the architecture looks like and i've been like that looks like a bug's eye that looks literally like a bug and then you went ahead and did that and i feel like it wasn't just me who had thought of it before mm. a lot of people actually reacted to that and also like my favorite when it comes like the 
sometimes like they are kind of like random, like mm. like a building wearing a pants. Mm-hmm. The building looks like a pair of pants. So yeah, I just exactly. Boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's like it's funny and it's creative. I love it. Yeah. And a lot of people responded saying that we call that building the pants building. <laughs> oh. So it's a thing that's very much known. And it's interesting because the definition of creativity is supposed to be something original. But when you point out something that everyone is feeling, it still feels creative because it touches on something that you wanted to say. You just didn't know how to put it together. Would love to hear more about what you think about that. Like, um, what do you mean by the point of creativity is something is supposed to be original? Um, So a lot of people use the expression thinking outside of the box to refer to creativity when there's a lot of things that you have in the box. Step outside of it to do what? To go into a like a, a void mm-hmm. so you have a lot of things you you just put them together to create uh, new combinations so that's what creativity is it's not something that com- pops out of thin air it's like it's a recipe the ingredients are always there what is what is in your box other people <laughs> so you take pieces of other people yeah okay. so sartre says hell is other people <laughs> and so is creativity <laughs> wow <laughs> that's a different way of looking at things <laughs> That's cool. Um, so I want to know about your consumption habits. Like, do you... Like how I eat? No, not <laughs> I eat. Not I don't. that kind of... Not sustenance. <laughs> are, are you just on Soylent? Is that it? Um, <laughs> um, no, what I actually mean is like, do you watch TV shows? Do you do you read books? And what kind? And I would love to hear more about what you actually consume in the sense of other creativity. Okay, so... It's a, it's a cool question because what I meant by other people is any kind of cultural representation. So the way people express themselves, the way they talk about their opinions mm-hmm. illustrates into cultural productions, whether they're through the media or literature or history. Um, so this is this is the way I do research. And it's also from my points of view about certain things that I want to debunk or kind of piss myself off a bit so uh, i watched this documentary recently called um, uh, creative mind on netflix and there's a neuroscientist who was narrating it and he was talking about the creative process as something that your brain does or, or you do to how do i put it i just i just talked about it like i think I, i've seen that or i've seen parts of that because i know salud you were watching that i think what you're you, what he was saying was that you kind of have to work against yourself in order yes. to create something because yes. it hurts to create yes so so your brain makes things easier for you so it's trying to simplify things for you to be creative is for you to, to go against the natural process of your brain's thinking so for me to to use other people's points of views is for me to try and say maybe not maybe something else even if it's outlandish but it's also for me to say not to stick to something like an idea do you you mentioned that you're a tinkerer yeah. and how do that like how can you define yourself this way it's okay so i grew up at like a, at around the age of 8 or 9 honestly not knowing that there was much of a difference between uh, sciences and humanities and i thought science was pretty i thought the humanities were difficult so I never had that idea of one is better than the other, one is more difficult than the other, and I never leaned one way. And all of my uh, aid money I saved and spent on chemistry sets Mm -hmm. because I collected butterflies. And to me, these two came together, both archiving, uh, scientific exploration, and things that are beautiful and expressive. So growing up, I always wanted to be multiple things. I wanted to be an inventor, I wanted to be a dancer, I wanted to be... I wanted to write plays. I wanted to do a lot of things. And I was always told that I'm spreading myself way too thin. 
that I was like, um, th- there's this expression in Arabic, "bubalein uh, chadab." Uh-huh, so uh-huh. you you you're not supposed to be different things because you'll be contradicting yourself. But everything in life is interdisciplinary. You need other people from other specialities to help you with your own. And you need to understand other people's, like you need to be yourself interdisciplinary to be able to do your job well. Um, so being told that I was always in too many fields, uh, my parents were a little annoyed by me, but not annoyed in a way that wanted to stifle me. It was a protective way to make sure I had a good future. And I, and they were especially mad when I broke apart the vacuum cleaner that we had at home and I <laughs> didn't know how to put it back together because I was a child. Uh, but I, but uh, my dad gave me these Arduino sets. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, oh, that's, that's so like cool. my first experience with anything related to science other than the chemistry set. But I was, I'm, I'm still pretty bad at math. That's, that's my weakness there. That's where I need other people. Very interesting. Yeah. What was the turning point for you? Like, how did you decide to be like, okay, you know what? I'm going to be this multidisciplinary artist, this multidisciplinary person, and like flourish in all ways. Okay, so I wanted to get into art school because I thought, okay, I'm good at this. I want to get into it. And my parents wanted me to have a future that's more stable, more safe, like an English teacher. So I got into English literature. Then I saw that the program is really really strong i mean studying philosophy in english literature is no joke and i started to revive these ideas that i've always had about inter- interdisciplinary uh, uh cultural uh, cultural production during that time i started to explore the art scene so i went to my first art gallery i went to my second art gallery and i was extremely disappointed with local artists that would act as if art was the same thing that's being undermined by people of um, specializations of a like higher in the hierarchy. So artists that did think art just came from pure inspiration, artists that thought you, you, you should not be rational to be an artist, you shouldn't be strict or have a discipline, especially the diva culture. You, don't, you shouldn't be a, a mean misanthrope to be an artist. It's the exact opposite. You have to communicate with people. I mean, I'm not one to say something is art and something isn't. But why waste that tool on something that's selfish and uh, like uh, unuseful? Let's just call it that. So it, it made me angry, but in a positive way. So I wanted to be an active artist and I wanted to reverse that idea. I wanted to show that no, it's it's something that's very much related to sciences. It's something that's very much related to other uh, disciplines. So I became known as not just the uh, the collage artist, I became known also as the artist that makes um, anatomical drawings. And that's what I did. I, I sat home and I studied anatomy on my own. And I showed that you have to do the research before you produce the artwork. Mm-hmm. Skill set is important, but content comes before form or form complements content. Beautiful. So what exactly do you do? I mean, we touched upon this, you're a tinkerer, but what passions or what fields are you exactly in? Um, I'm mostly known for the visual, but I'm getting into sound, audio engineering specifically. And that was uh, also a very big turning point for me. So I was accepted at a scholarship program for five weeks at a uh, summer semester in La Famise. It's a film school in Paris. And the program is very concentrated. 
I went into there thinking that I'm going to focus on image. I'm going to focus on camera. I'm going to f- focus on lighting. And what I found out through multiple uh, classes in sound engineering is that sound to the untrained ear establishes uh, parameters of space better than an image does. So if you close your eyes and go into a room, if I make a sound in that room, you would know the the spatiality of the room. You would know if it's big or small, if it's carpeted or so it's it you don't have you don't even need training for this so i would rather go to a movie that has a bad image but great sound engineering than the other way around and that got me into sound more than anything else so i got into synthesizers i got into uh yeah i got into sound recording and i'm extremely bad at it i'm so bad at it you guys can't imagine and it's it's such a scary it's so so scary because i still need help and i still need to talk to people every step of the way and it makes me feel so dumb all the time and it's it's not something that i'm used to at all so zeus i think you do something really interesting in the fact that you play around in different fields and um we've talked about that a little bit but i would love to know how would one person do that? How could I, as a poet, and I feel like sometimes I'm stuck as a poet and then I can't move out of that, or how would any creative who's listening to this right now move outside of their one field or their one box that they've put themselves into and actually play around in other spaces? Okay, so people seem to think that anything in the world, not just fields of study, are uh, some, if it can be defined, then it can be separated from other things. Definitions are great. Definition bring about multiplicity, but everything is connected. We can't separate things from each other. So for instance, if you are a chef, you need to get into gardening so that you'd know what kind of produce you're using, what it takes to make them, how long it takes. If you are um, a musician, say, you need to get into uh, stage building. You know, those like... um, I've given lectures about this actually, about the hierarchy between the sciences and humanities. And if you look back into how all of these disciplines started and got named, it's from, uh, what was it? Like fourth to ninth century uh, Abbasid era, Islamic uh, uh, golden age. All of these scientists were interdisciplinary scientists. So it was, uh, Ibn al-Haytham was, um, what do you call it? a doctor, an eye doctor, and he was also into uh, philosophy of perception. So you can't know something without knowing other sides of it. Because if we step out of, we, you can't step out of a box, like I said, you need to look into the box and boxes have multiple corners for you to look into what you have. And um, if, okay, if we take you, for example, you as a poet, you deal with um, performance poetry. So you need to look at phonology. So you need to maybe try writing in symbols, like uh, phonological symbols. Wow, okay. Try dealing I never with thought accents. about that. Yeah, things like that. It's it's really, really simple. Okay. So because- what you're saying is, is that um, this idea of people being in their own specific disciplines or their own specific fields is a modern idea. Yes. That back in the day, back in between the 4th and 9th century, for example, back in the Islamic Golden Age, we actually had people who were um, polymaths. They were actually doing a lot of different things. There was doctors who were writing poetry and doctors who were into philosophy and mm. scientists who were also in the humanities. It and in I think the industrial revolution when these things became separated because people needed other people to work in factories and they had to know math and they had to know things that were producing quickly. So you couldn't be a poet. That's not going to sell. Right. So everything became mass produced, quickly produced, and 
not very interested in individual human lives we got into expertise and yes. specific you know crafters who do specific things and that's the only thing that you do and you become an expert on that mm-hmm. i totally get what you're saying and even like imagine you guys i'm i'm imagining that you edit this podcast yes i do if someone was um doing the interview but you were editing you would have such a hard time doing it because they don't understand the editing process so they don't give you spaces when they talk and i say that to every actor they need to learn editing because continuity you know don't change the way you look don't change your hair so you have to go through that suffering to know how to do your job properly hmm. Zeus, when it comes to learning new some uh, new things from scratch there's certain fear that i would assume that it comes from the idea of you really need to start to you need to learn that thing from a young age or maybe you have to practice for years to actually approach that idea so what do you think about it can you talk to us about your experience when learning like something from scratch okay so i have a better answer to that because people don't usually listen to me because i'm labeled as an artist but there's a uh, a scientist here in kuwait his name is dr muhammad qasim and he talks about the learning process because he studies ai and how to teach computers to do certain things so he says that every single human brain regardless of your age at the cell level it takes hard work and fear and overcoming so many things including physical pain to learn something new and it takes about 10 years for you to call yourself an expert regardless of what age you start in there are things that i understand people talk about like um, i tried to learn the violin and i still can't because it's something about the size of my fingers like you have to be a child to be that nimble and things like that so i'm not saying you can say that about everything for instance like gymnastics or ballet you need to physically be malleable yeah i get that. it i get it but yeah. Anyone can learn pretty much anything, mm-hmm. regardless of your age, even if you're 60. I would like to add something to that. Maybe the fear comes from the idea of the unknown. You know, like mm. the idea of like, I'm going like, to approach unsafe. something that I have no clue. Am I going to like um, fail maybe? Would, would that be maybe the failure? And I believe when it's you, when if you want to approach something new, you're going to have to think as a kid or maybe like um, like you start from nothing and you put your ego and your fears aside and you start maybe asking questions and asking people around and do your own research. Um, when you really think about it though, kids have this kind of patience for themselves that you don't find in adults. Like a kid will sit down and actually do the same thing over and over and over again before actually giving up. And I've seen this, I teach, they just do the same thing over and over and over and uh, over again until they actually finally understand it or actually get it right. But I feel like an adult would like throw it. They'd be like, okay, you know what? I'm not a watercolor, watercolor artist. I've done this myself. Yeah. So it's interesting that um, learning from scratch is related to becoming a kid and not knowing something. That's a very cool idea. I've taught children uh, creativity exercises. And what I've noticed with kids as opposed to adults is that they take a lot of time and they they have fun working on new experiments, doing something that is unsafe because the idea, the concept of safety has not been developed with them yet. The concept of responsibility, the concept of disappointment, they might understand shame, not being loved, being excluded, but failing is a very new concept to them. So the biggest problem with interdisciplinarity 
in adults or in anyone of any age is not learning something new, but unlearning the things that you already know that are weighing you down subconsciously. So you have a lot of unlearning to do. So don't step out of your box, just clean it up. That's beautiful. So you think like we need before, before you know, exploring new things and, and new fields, you have, we have to think like, you know, as you mentioned, the clearing out the box. Yeah. And Which is more difficult than learning. Oh, that's you, beautiful. Can, we, yeah. can, you, can you talk to us more about this? So like, how can you forget that you're afraid of something? That's the most difficult thing you can do. How can you forget that you care about what people think about you? It's not something that you can just switch on and off. So there's a lot that you need to break in yourself in order to learn something. The learning process, once that done, is a breeze. So that's the difficult part that adults have, I would say, as opposed to children. Okay. So in point, what you've said so far is that we need to take our box, don't leave the box, clean it up a little bit, but also explore the corners. Yes. And if I could wrap that up um, I, uh, with a self-plug... So I have a mockumentary series called uh, Birdwatch on YouTube. And by Birdwatch, I mean not the act of bird watching, but what if birds were watching back? How would they define the our behavior and what we do? Because they don't know the cultural context of what we do. So it's if you look at yourself from an outsider's point of view, that is an exercise in unlearning. Mm. So the first episode is an introduction. The second episode is a child explaining health and healthy activity. And it's a very strange point of view because of their learning from what they see adults do. Wow. Things like that. Very cool. That's beautiful. Thank right. you so much, Zeus. That was wonderful. We really appreciate having you. I'm just, Thank you so I'm, much I'm for having me. I'm just going to see what you're going to say now. <laughs> 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 All right. Okay, okay we're going to have to wrap things up. Okay. okay. Um, that was really beautiful, Zeus. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for, for joining us in LCL. Um, we have boxes so to get to now. Thank you so I much for having me. I have to go and find my box first. <laughs> Clean it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I love it. I love this concept. Please, um, um, like, why would I say please? <laughs> um, the idea is like, like, you know, go and think about out of, not really out of the box, if I may say. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I'm not going to cut this. I'm going to keep it, okay? Because <laughs> yeah. it's my thing, you know? Perfect, yeah. perfect, yeah. I'm going to have to clean my box. And thank you so much, Zeus. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. And thank you for what you're doing. Thank you. Thanks.